I'm Aria Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan and welcome to the Windsider show where it's all about the W. We are in the void. The All-Star game is over. Team WNBA won and the Olympics are almost here. But there is still much to discuss in the world of WNBA. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com and remember downloading the episode makes our stats look better allows us to continue doing this important work rachel mf galligan how you doing (laughs) I'm good. How are you, Aria? Keeping the show clean today. Uh, no, I'm good. Uh, very, very jealous of you. Over the past week, you have just done everything that I wish I could do. You know, go to the All-Star game, see random WNBA fran- friends, travel about. Um, how are you? How Let's talk All-Star game. First of all, what was it like just to be there before we get into the nitty gritty of it? What, what was it like to be in Vegas uh, to watch a WNBA game? You know, it was a last minute decision to go. Um, July, I always say, super crazy for me. We're running events. I'm getting ready to go to Europe. Like, it's just like, it no, It doesn't stop. Um, it's, it's great. But, you know, actually, I, I welcome this break, this WBA break, because I, I get to focus on the other stuff a little bit. But, um, yeah, decided to just add even more to my plate and make a quick trip to Vegas. Um, was there for just two days, one night, but it was cool. I mean... Honestly, I haven't spent a lot of time in Vegas before, so um, it was it was nice to get in there and meet up with a few friendly faces, people that I haven't been able to see for a while, and also just people that like I've become friends with, and like you don't actually you realize you've never actually met in person. So it was cool, and honestly, I mean it was it was really nice to be um, at Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay. Like I hadn't been there yet, so just to see that atmosphere and be it alive sporting event. Um, I really felt part of the reason I went is I, I really felt like this would be an interesting matchup. I wrote a piece about it with just women sports, kind of with my argument as to why I felt like the all-star or yeah, the all-stars would win. Um, and, and actually predicted that they would. So I kind of was like, I kind of want to be there in person. Um, so, I mean, honestly, that was my driving force after looking into a little bit more, I, I was able to pull it off and I really, really felt like it could be I mean, it says an upset. I don't really think it's an upset, but I, I thought it would be a cool experience just to see it. It was awesome. It had an absolute blast. The arena, the atmosphere, everything was great. Um, so definitely, yeah, really, really happy I got a chance to pull that off. Yeah, I was very jealous of you. And I will say also, <laughs> it's hilarious that like the one time or not the one time, but when you're writing for a different outlet, it's the time that we agree that I mean, both both of us going into it. And honestly, I don't I, I wanna sit here and feel this confident and say if I would have known this Cambage isn't gonna play, you know, how that would affect me picking the winners and losers of this team, but I feel like I would still go with the WNBA and like there was just something about it. And yeah. there there was, you know, a lot of players that really wanted to prove themselves up on this stage and, and they did. It was a great game. I loved watching it. Um I will say though that like my concern 
as great as it has been, I've seen what the Aces have been doing um, since what's his name. It doesn't matter. Whatever his name is, the <laughs> owner of the Raiders and the Aces took Mark over. Davis. Mark Davis, thank you. Um, no, I, I love what he's been doing, right? He was there. He, he was front He and was center. there, and he was there like an hour early watching the players warm up. He's actually invested. This isn't a publicity stunt. And no. I feel confident saying that and never talking to him because I've seen that and because I've also seen what he's doing in regards to the former players, the lineage that created the Aces and who they are today. The Aces were built on the shoulders of the players before. And what he has done throughout this whole season is fly in, bring in players from wherever and said, you know, we are going to talk about our legacy and I want to bring you in and honor you as a former player. And that's something we have never seen teams yeah. do. And for all the crap that I love to give the league and ever, you know, and, and everything, whatever, he's doing it right in that way. And I will say like going into the season, you and I talked about this. I was tweeting up a storm how, you know, we better see from the W more respect and attention turned towards the legends who brought us to this point so far this season. And I'm, I'm just going to say this so far this season, there has been literally no 25th anniversary celebrations other than the patch on the jacket or on the, on the jerseys, except Mark Davis. Maybe I'm wrong, but Mark Davis has at least said, Hey, 25th season maybe he would have done it in the 22nd season just because he's starting out and he wants to bring these people in so maybe it's not 25th related that's a whole nother episode of how people have fumbled that bag but <laughs> i want to give respect to that but the negative side of it is that when i was there for the all-star game two years ago the really cool aspect was when you're walking in the strip you see on almost every mgm signage WNBA players faces the other really cool thing because it was owned by MGM was the intricacy or not intricacy the the meshing of their different brands Cirque du Soleil halftime entertainment you know all these different cool things mm -hmm. you know the walkouts for players they had acrobats doing all this crazy stuff maybe I'm wrong because I wasn't at the game this year but it looked like they didn't have it this year and I don't know if you know the all-star game was just kind of haphazardly put together last second or if that's just because of the lack of mgm connection to the league anymore that's my concern i mean there's there's positives and negatives to everything um i will say the, be, yeah. being there in mandalay bay i mean we actually stayed in mandalay bay like like we we showed up and they're like oh what are you here for i'm like oh the all-star game and they're like who so there were definitely i i didn't get a sense of like the intertwinement of the, the, mm -hmm. the this all-star game throughout the city um i mean i didn't walk up and down the strip but at least within you know that that short period of time that i was there like obviously we knew about it we knew exactly where to go the, the arena and the atmosphere about that was was really great but i didn't see a ton of it like around mandalay bay and in this kind of the surrounding areas i also wasn't there long enough to notice it but like you said was this year um, is this kind of a different year in terms of how they kind of had to throw it together? I don't know. Let me just say, Rachel, you would have noticed it. Like when, when Anna, my wife and I went to the all-star game two years ago, we get off the plane literally before you're at baggage claim, there was, there was signage for the all-star game and not even just the all-star game, but the aces. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you get to the strip and the giant billboards 
next to the famous play, the landmarks that we all know, whether or not you've been to Vegas. We've all seen at least one TV show or movie that has one shot of Vegas, right? It was everywhere. And so that's my concern. But like you said, the atmosphere at the game is completely separate uh, and, and it's its own world, its own beast. The game itself, I mean, we don't cover the Olympics, which I think you and I both enjoy the fact that we don't because we so we can kind of put our fan cap back on and sure. uh, be less focused on certain things and kind of get a little break during this long, grueling WNBA season. But the All-Stars really made the USA work. And I think, if anything, it shows the depth of the league that we're going up against the best team in women's basketball history, the USA Olympic basketball team, women's team, I should clarify, because the men's team, not that good. Women's team set records for most gold medals. Um, but just the depth. I mean, Rachel, you've been following the league your whole life, practically. What does it mean to you to see that it's no longer, you know, this top-heavy league, that there's really, truly this depth uh, throughout the whole league, enough that when you put together... Uh, a team of 12 players to go up against the best 12 Americans in the world or in the country. That made no sense. They're able to take them and handle them like they did and pull off a victory. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was great. I, I, it was nice to see like, like people actually competing, right? Like we've talked about all-star games in the past where, you know, there's not a whole lot of defense being played. The numbers are getting racked up into the, you know, 1, 115, 120 range. Like, it's just kind of a, a fun experience for the fans, lighthearted. No one's trying to get hurt. It was, I went in there hoping just to see competition. And I really felt like the All-Stars would. You had seven first-timers. You have some 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 players with a chip on their shoulder. You have Arike Ugambawale, who's the most dynamic scorer in the WNBA. And I felt like with the ball being run through her and not a whole lot of time for offensive sets or plays or any sort of system to be put in place, like she's just going to go get hers. Um, you know, and, and you know, making a, making a stance for like her argument of wanting to be on Team USA. So I think that, I think that you have back to your depth point. I mean, yes, it's great to see. It's great to see that like there was actually a, um, a product out on the floor of two teams really, you know, kind of competing in, in some, some way. And I was like, I mean, there's a responsibility, you know, of the all-stars to prepare USA to go get gold. I mean, and then USA goes and then they lose to Australia after Liz Cambage backed out, which I thought was a very interesting game, a statement win from Australia hadn't beat USA since like 2010 or 2011. I believe. So, I mean, there's no doubt that, that Team USA was tested. I think we're starting to see a, a changing of the guard with some of old players, older players kind of on their last their last go around with implementation of this next generation of USA um, player. But, you know, obviously a ton of depth. It was nice to see, you know, USA get tested in that way. I mean, honestly, who else is going to test them? I mean, obviously, there's a ton of great, great competition they're going to face against in Tokyo. But, um, you know, if, if you're going to be tested by the best players in, in the WNBA, like, it doesn't get any better than that. No, it doesn't. And, and it was amazing to watch. And especially, you know, with the, the Australian game, right, <laughs> At, without Liz, that was a whole interesting aspect all on its own that we, we're not going to get into because whatever. Look, as long as Liz Cambage can play in the WNBA, and bring the aces a championship or at least bring that top level play. I think we're looking at an exciting second half. I will say not, you know, this isn't based on tips. This is just like 
where my mind goes when you hear the news about Liz Cambage. Okay, well, what does that mean for the rest of the WNBA season, right? And what happens if Liz Cambage is not with this Aces team? We saw greatness from this team last year without Liz Cambage. They made their way to the, the finals. We've seen this team grow and play much better Liz and Asia together than we did two years ago. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you kind of throw a wrench in the wheel halfway through? You know, and and I will say this also as, as we get into our next segment, the second half of the WNBA season, the interesting aspect that no one really wants to talk about is you can almost make an argument of this being two completely different seasons. For sure. Because yeah. the amount of break that these women have complete like, yeah, the links are on what, seven, eight game win streak? Doesn't matter. The fever on a three-game win streak doesn't matter. Yeah. It it honestly, it's a complete reset. Now I will say there is an aspect that does matter, right? The Minnesota Lynx are maybe the example that I'm using too much in this, but I think our listeners will get what I'm getting at. The Lynx are a team that we had certain expectations of going into the season. That's not how they started out. But then they hit their stride, and now we've started to see a team that we kind of more expected. I think you can make a similar play when you're talking about the Chicago Sky. Yep. So the real question is, do we see them revert to early season woes or was it were those early season woes just growing pains of a roster needing to get to know each other does that make sense i think i think there's potential for both i mean you know you have such a long break like this um like you said it it how you approach that how you um maintain consistency through that period of time has got to be a challenge if you're a coach in the WNBA and, and you have players who are just kind of literally taking a massive, almost month long break. But then on top of it, you know, the Olympic team members, you know, hopefully everybody stays healthy, but you know, there's, there's a ton of competition, a ton on their shoulders out in Tokyo. How do they come back from the Olympics feeling after that experience, you know? And so now the good news is, is it's a, it's a level playing field across the board. You know, I mean, I, I mean, Seattle's got three Olympians on it. So, you know, they're playing, you know, they're, they're out there in practice every single day while other people are getting to rest. Does that have an impact? Um, for the rest of the team who are not on Team USA, yes, a ton of rest, a chance to get healthy, um, a chance to get in the gym and, and maybe work on some individual skill work, you know, things like that. I think from that standpoint, it's a level playing field and, and it's something that every team in the league has to go up against. How do you keep this team in, in the right headspace and the right um, period, in, in the right I don't know, focus is, is maybe headspace is the right word uh, for this month is, is going to be fascinating how teams come out of it. Some are going to come out of it just fine. Some are going to struggle. I mean, a lot could happen during this time. You bring up a good, a good point about Liz Cambage. I have no idea, you know, what, what's going to happen with the second half of the season. It's I'm, I'm just assuming that she will be with the aces and this team, you know, will be able to, um, you know, continue on and be this dominant team and, and make their, I think they have all the potential in the world to go win it all in my opinion. Um, but yeah. a lot can happen. A lot's going to happen in the next month. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the, there's a plethora of questions, and we're going to have many more episodes to do about this. Something that I think is going to be fun, and I have to, you know, uh, I can't take all credit for it. It was Rachel's <laughs> idea. It's just looking to the second half, and, and we're going to cut out a little bit more than half of the league, and we're just going to focus on these top five teams. Now, obviously, there's a nice discrepancy between the standings. 
But these five teams, and I know an argument could be made, but then it would just make the podcast forever. An argument could be made that we should be doing, you know, teams three through nine or whatever. But I want to look at these top five teams, the Lynx, the Storm, the Sky, the Sun, and the Aces. I want to look at these five teams and just look at who they have to play. Mm -hmm. And again, there's an asterisk next to us because, you know, there is going to be this big break. But just based on the first half and kind of pick one team that is going to, you know, feel it a little more as, as it were, right? Coming into the second half of the season, you know, some teams, the Minnesota Lynx, for instance, haven't played the Fever, the worst team in our league, right? Three times. But hey, now, I'm not they, were, say that's, they, they were rolling heading into this break. They were, but may, hey, maybe <laughs> this break totally ruins that. But my point is, is more so if I'm a WNBA team and there's one team that I have to play, if I have to like pick one team to play three times in the last 12 games or whatever, it's going to be the Fever. Like that, that's not a question, right? And so I think it's going to be interesting because we can look at it and say, right now the Storm are the number one team, the Aces are the number two team, and there's this big of a difference between them. But I think it's a little bit more fun if we go, okay, let's play pick them, right? Not like specifically each game, but let's just look at who they're going to play and how that's going to affect the standings. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the Storm, right? They, have to, they haven't played the Sky at all. So they're going to play the Sky three times. They're going to play the Liberty twice, the Mystics twice, the Lynx once, then the Sparks and the Mercury, both those teams once. So, you know, look, if we break this down, going up against the Liberty for the Storm is not a cakewalk, right? Especially with Natasha Howard expected to be right. back the second half of the season. That's going to be a huge impact where the Liberty maybe, you know, first half of the season, we're a team where teams felt more comfortable playing with Tasha Howard back. That changes things big time, in my opinion. Um, the Mystics, who do we see back? Does Emma Mieseman come back? Does Elena Deladon come back from injury? Do, you know, who, how healthy is Natasha Cloud? Are we going to see, you know, the rest of the season from her? The Mystics are a team that a lot of people expect, assuming Emma and EDD come back, are going to make a big push the second half. So just kind of looking over that, and then, obviously, the Storm aren't complaining about playing the Sparks. The Mercury is actually a fun matchup. But talk to me about the Storm. Do you think you see, you know, kind of looking over these, these what, these uh, five, eight games, as it were, do you well, see this team dropping a little, staying in the powerful position? I think they're in a powerful position. I think that they've got a nice little lineup here. And here's the thing, guys. We keep saying second half. We're talking like 12 games here, you know? So there's yeah. not a lot of time to come back and just, okay, you know, let's figure it out. Let's read gel. Let's implement EDD and Mesamin into our system and be able to play. You know, like, like they got to hit the ground running, you know? Yeah. And, and any team who wants to either stay on top of the standings or give themselves good positioning come playoff time or climb their way into the standings. You know, I, I think, you know, the Liberty are a little bit of a wild card there, right? Like if you get Natasha Howard and, and we, we know what this, we kind of know what this team can do, um, you know, kind of an underwhelming second half of the first half, if you will. Um, I, I really like the Storm and Sky matchup. We're going to talk about the Sky here in a second. Um, but I, I think that those two teams are going to tell a lot. I, I think you've got a potential of, you know, Chicago's got a chance between facing Seattle and Las Vegas um, to, to climb up the standings a little bit. Um, we're going to learn a lot about that team um, and kind of, you know, what they're made of and, and, and are they truly contenders. Uh, but I think the Storm are in good position. They're, they're going to finish in the top two. 
Yeah, I would think so. The the interesting aspect is losses wise, right? So if we're just working on losses, the Storm have five losses. Then the number two team Aces are at six. The Sun also at six. And then the Lynx are at seven. So just two losses separate the top four teams. And then obviously you move on to Chicago who has 10. So that's when the gap kind of widens. That's why I feel like if we're talking about a great position for the teams, just based on these teams, Minnesota, Connecticut, Aces, and Storm are in a really good position where as long as you don't kind of tailspin at this end, you're in a pretty good spot. Uh, I mean, I, I, would be, to... I would be shocked to see Seattle, you know, just hit a massive losing streak. You know, they might drop a couple during this stretch, um, assuming everybody can stay healthy for sure, especially through the Olympics. But um, they might drop a couple. They might lose one to, you know, to Chicago or, you know, maybe a random one to Liberty or, or Phoenix. But um, they're like you said, they're in good position. They're, they're, they're in the driver's seat at this point. The closest team, Las Vegas, still one game back. So they've set themselves up nicely. No surprise there. Let's move on to the Aces. Because, I mean, well, first of all, about the Storm, it's as simple as one early loss, right? You you play three games against the Sky. Let's say you split one of those games, right? Or you go two and one or one and two. You split the Liberty and, and you win both Mystics. That bumps you down a little bit. So, obviously, you know, it's a chess game of, or it's the prisoner's dilemma. Fine, whatever. Let's talk about the Aces now. Because I, I really want to look at these and I want to say, all right, which team kind of has the easiest schedule to end the season and which team has the hardest schedule? Because I think that's going to have a serious impact. The The Aces play the Mystics twice. The Sun, Dream, Fever, Sky. They play the Sky three times also. So this is tough. The Sky have not played the top two teams in the Ooh. league as of now. And they're going to play six of those games. So remember, the Sky out of all five of these teams have the most ground to make up. And are going to be facing the top two teams. So while it well, could be a, a negative. To, they've got a chance to make up ground. But they've also got a chance to. Exactly. When you're playing against the top teams. You can like double dutch it. Mm -hmm. um, and then they play the Lynx. Wings, Mercury, and Liberty. That's not like. The you know, for the aces, and the, the aces are chilling. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, that's I'm... what I'm saying. Like alright. The Suns game. That's going to be tough. The, the, the Sky game. Tough for sure. Mystics are yeah. going to play well. I mean, you know, obviously anyone can beat anyone in any given night for the most part. But, I mean, the Aces, I've always said, and I just said this on a podcast right before this, I mean, the Aces are if are going to are gonna beat themselves if they're going to if they're going to get beat. You know, they, they, they have the most dominant team, in my opinion. Um, and if you can continue to play and stay healthy and be cons as consistent as they were the first half, like this is this is a this is a good draw you know, for, for the second half of the season that we keep calling it. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about the Lynx. Possibly the best draw, right? Yeah. Play the Liberty twice. Okay, cool. You lost the first one. You know, Cheryl Reeve is going to be out to teach her former assistant coach a lesson. The tough part, honestly, for this team is going to be the two games, in my opinion, at least, the two games against the Suns. So they play the Liberty twice, the Sun twice, the Sky, the Storm, the Sparks, the Mystics twice, the Fever three times, and the Aces. So when I'm looking at this, I'm saying the Lynx have it easy playing the Fever three times. That That's just, that's what you want, right? They got it easy playing the Sparks. The disrespect, Arya. I know, right? Well, but I'll put the respect on the Sun. I'll put respect <laughs> on the Sun. They're a top team. Um, the Liberty, fine. I'm, I'm not worried about that, right? That's a give or go. The Sky, 
give or go in this situation, right? That those those teams match up really well. Obviously, the Storm is a top team. That's a tough one. Aces, that's a top team. That's a tough one, even though the Lynx have played well against Aces so far. But the Mystics are an interesting one because it might come down to a couple Mystics games. These two teams, or yeah. these two games against the Mystics, historically, I have to give credit, historically... Tina Charles has won the one-on-one matchup with Sylvia Fowles. And that's an interesting one that I want to keep my eye on. And just a reason why, you know, if you're watching the Mystics and the Lynx, it might be a little confusing. But but I, I think the Lynx are in good spot just based off that. I would put the Lynx and the Aces in a similar spot just based on who they're playing. Because, you know, yeah, go. It's tough for me. I mean, I, I feel... For me, it's it's more about the links. It's about themselves and how are they playing, right? Is it going to yeah. be the first half links? Is it going to be the second half links? And I'm talking about the first part of the season. The season, you know, I will first be first quarter or second quarter, whatever. Second quarter. There you go. Yeah. And really, it's second and a half quarter because you know you guys get the point. So the links, you know, obviously ended the hottest team. Nobody wanted to play them. You know, at the end of this portion of it, seven game win streak, clicking on all cylinders. You had the pieces around Fouls and Collier making shots. We're feeling good. We're playing with a ton of confidence. The question for me is how do you find a way to maintain that consistency, you know, as you head in to after this break or does this, is this break disruptive? How do you respond from that? I think, you know, it's a coin, it's not a coin flip, but you know, you could make an argument for any team over the links, depending on, you know, how this links team has shown that they've played this year. Um, I think it's more about Minnesota and how are they responding, right? Like, like what, what type of team are they going to be after this break with that momentum kind of coming to a halt? I 100% agree. I think out of all these teams, I would say the sky also. Like it's, yeah. when it comes to the storm aces in the sun, okay, cool. We look, we know who they are. There's no question, no doubt in my mind who these teams are. When it comes to the links in the sky, much more of the question around them, question marks surrounding them. Consistency a little bit. Exactly. Is when we come out of this break, are we going to see the consistency that we started to see at certain points, but it hasn't been long enough that I've blocked out the inconsistent aspects of it. Yeah. Let's talk about the sky. I mean, and I will say the flip side of this though, is when you're looking at them, I would almost say the links have arguably the easiest schedule out of these four, these five teams, mm-hmm. arguably, right? Now it's not clear cut, but then you look at the sky and they have a much harder second half schedule. I think Storm three times, one. the wings, the dream, the links, the aces three times, the mystics, the fever, the mercury. Yeah. That's, that is just a really, really tough schedule. Now to be said, if you're going to win the championship, it doesn't matter what your schedule is and when you play the teams, you want to play the teams, right? You want to take on the best. You want to beat the best. It's still hard to take on the top teams in a close, close time. It could be helpful. Build them up for the playoffs, a playoff series. It could be damaging. What are your thoughts about the sky? You think you said you you think they they have the hardest. This is by by far the hardest, in my opinion. But I, I mean, agree. the sky have all the potential in the world to go on a run. But we're go- we're going to learn things about the sky we haven't been able to understand yet, right? Like they, they go on that seven-game losing streak. Then they go on a win streak. But they go on this win streak, and they haven't played the Storm. They haven't played the Aces. And it comes to a screeching halt due to the Connecticut Sun. So, you know, 
the top tier competition is still a bit of a question mark in my mind. So for, for the sky, I mean, still trying to figure this team out. I think they have all the tools to be right there at the end of the season. You know, can you, can you game plan enough to get the shots you want to get? Can you rebound the basketball? Can you get enough stops when your offense is not clicking? All those question marks remain. Um, But yeah, I mean, we're going to learn a lot about this team very quickly out of this break when they have to face the best of the best six, six, six of those 12 games are, are against the storm and aces, you know, and, and I think they match up better with the storm than they do with Las Vegas, assuming everyone is, is there with Vegas. Um, so, I mean, it, it could quickly plummet or, you know, you could kind of lose a few, win a few, you know, just try to position yourself in a way where you're in that fourth or fifth spot come playoff time and, and hope that you can get hot in the playoffs. But that's why that seven-game losing streak, it's less about the losing streak, in my opinion at least. It's more about when and who it happened to. Sure. I don't care if you lose seven in a row. You can win you know, 50 of the next 52. doesn't freaking matter. What matters is, is when you look at the Sky's schedule, they had that losing streak at a time period where with all relative thinking, they should have been building up a cachet almost or a stockpile of dubs so that you can afford to lose a few more games during that the, these last 12 games where you're going to be facing the top two teams six times. That That's what my logic is, but who knows? Let's talk about the Sun. The last team of our five, they play the Wings twice, the Lynx twice, the Aces, the Sparks three times, the Mystics, the Liberty, the Dream, and the Mercury. Honestly, like, looking at this, maybe I spoke too soon. The Sun might have the easiest one because, <laughs> yeah, it sucks to take on the Wings twice, right? They're they're one of those any given Sunday type teams. It sucks to take on the Lynx twice. So that's five of their games are, are you know, impactful. And the Aces once, that's going to just be a great matchup. Very excited for that. They match up very yeah. well. Yeah. But to play um, the Sparks three times... To, yeah. to play the Mystics, like that, just to play, like if I'm going to pick two teams that I want to play, it's going to be the Sparks and it's going to be the Fever. Well, I mean, the Sun have done a phenomenal job. Like they're, they're in such good position and that's even with missing, you know, John Paul Jones for a portion of the season. Like, you know, you're, you're only one and a half games back. The reason you are where you are is because you can defend the hell out of everybody you know, so I love them playing against Dallas. I mean, that's just going to be the complete clash of offense and defense. And and, and Dallas is not going to be able to do all the things they want to do. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the sun, the sun, their goal coming into this break was to, to give themselves a chance to be in good position. And they are. And now looking at their matchups, um, obviously, links are going to that could be interesting, depending on how these teams perform and aces. Um, very contrasting. Uh, teams in terms of aces can score a ton of points and Connecticut can limit you to basically nothing and take you out of what you want to do. So I, I love that matchup. Sun are in a really good position here. The question is, is depth and the question is their scoring ability. They haven't been able to score it the way teams who have been able to go and win it all have been able to do. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the thing that ended their season last year was just a scoring drought at the wrong time in the semifinals oh. of game five. So yep. in my mind, it's, if you're having trouble scoring, one, tell Natisha Heideman, 
that she just made the last five shots because when she's shooting confidently, everything's going in. And number two is just feed John Quell. Let's talk about two other things that have kind of caught the WNBA news cycle, right? The sale, uh, it was approved by the NBA ownership board or board of governors, or whatever they want to call it, the Minnesota Lynx to A-Rod and Mark Lore. Big news. Um, yeah, it's big news, and that's awesome. And they and and we saw or we heard early on when when the talk of this sales first started, how they met with Cheryl Reeve and they met with the Lynx people and they showed a genuine interest and they came into it knowing some things. But as Cheryl Reeve put it, they came into the meeting knowing a few things and they left the meeting being impressed and more knowledgeable about the Lynx. And that's great to hear. And I hope they are committed. But to me, there's a bigger story here. So excuse my little REA rant. <laughs> I dream of the day that WNBA teams are not decided ownerships by a competing competitor competing company the nba i get it right the nba should want the wnba to grow and to me it makes financial and just plain logical sense but historically what i have seen has been clear signs that the nba does not want the wnba to grow right we don't need to get into a whole long thing about this. If you want to come at me, tweet at me. We can talk about it. But at the end of the day, let's lay out a few facts. Because trolls or people who love to defend the NBA love to say this. One, the NBA is who has told us how much money the WNBA is losing. That's the NBA. So the company, right? The, let's put it in, in, in this perspective. Amazon is saying we're not making X amount of money or we're making a tiny bit of money so I can't pay my workers more. Obviously, the ownership company wants to hide some of their gains because if everyone knows how much money they're making, people are going to start asking for more money. It's that simple. It's also as simple as the WNBA is a competitor for the NBA. The NBA wants to be the largest basketball company, largest basketball league in the world. They are. But they don't want anybody else getting within that atmosphere of themselves. And that's my rant. If you want to talk about it longer, we can talk about it longer. Come at me. The next thing that kind of took the world by storm was news came out about an expansion in the WNBA. I say, because we've had this happen before, is let's wait and see. you know. But I will say, and, and Rachel, I don't know if you want to chime in here, but we've heard some rumblings for a while now. We're hopeful it happens. But let's just let's pump the brakes. You know, we don't want a repeat of what happened in Toronto uh, three years ago when somebody popped up and said we bought a team. I think that's what happened or whatever. Um, and, and people are going to come at me. We had them on the podcast. We had them on the podcast because we wanted to learn more about what was going on. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yes, we all know the W is going to expand eventually. Rachel, any thoughts on these two things? No, it is super, super exciting about the expansion stuff. I'm, I'm curious to kind of, you know, it's like there's a lot of clickbaity stuff that, that will continue to come out and people say they know stuff and, you know, like you kind of have to sift through some information, misinformation. I think it's happening. It'll happen um, probably. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a betting person, but I would imagine the next couple of years. Um, you know, and I, I think there are places that make a little more sense than others. Obviously, Oakland looks extremely positive at this point. Um, I think there's a lot up in the air about that other that other location, where that might be. Could it be a Philadelphia? Could it be more of a Toronto? I'm leaning more towards Toronto. But again, until a little bit more comes out, I, I still think um, 
and taking everything kind of with a, a hint of salt at this time. I will laugh so hard if it is Toronto, just in the sense of how everyone like got uproared. You know, when, when the ownership people were like, we're trying to bring a team to Toronto three years ago, uh, and everyone was like, they're scam artists, they're con artists, whatever. Okay, but now we're getting a team in Toronto. So that would just be hilarious if we were to get a team in Toronto yeah. with that whole story. Most people won't even remember it, though. Yeah, <laughs> we will see. We will see. Well, I want to remind everyone, first of all, if you want to sponsor an episode or more of the Windsider Show, hit us up. Email info at windsider.com. Com. Winsider is your one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversation, but we can't do it without your help. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash Winsider. For just a few dollars a month, you can help grow the game.